Welcome back, Stu. And welcome back, everybody, to Creep Time, the podcast with Silas Dean and Stu. Now, hi, creepers. Hello, hello. I did plan to start this episode. I had this in my notes where I was going to say, I have a very <laughs> insidious case for you. Although I saw somebody in the comments, maybe you saw this, they, were, they wrote something. They were like, take a shot every time Silas says the word insidious. So I'm taking a hiatus <laughs> from saying insidious. <laughs> Perhaps. And- I thought of you. I thought of you because I was listening to a podcast today where they said that golf was sinister. And I was like, <laughs> that they can't say that. That's my word. <laughs> I know. I was like, wait, I was like that, that, that doesn't feel that feels incorrect to hear that come out of anybody's mouth except for yours. It's just creepers. If any of you are lawyers, please let us know how we can quickly and swiftly trademark yes. sinister to just sue. be a word. <laughs> let us sue everyone. <laughs> But yeah, perhaps we can circle back to wild or sinister. Those might be my default words for now. But you guys think we don't read the comments. I We see those comments and we see those reviews. Like, we know what's going on. We know what you're saying. We do. Or you just tell me and I <laughs> gasp. I go, oh my God. Sometimes I'll send you a backlog because I'll see a bunch of comments or like DMs and I'll I'll just send you a quick like collection of screenshots from creepers. And <laughs> I feel like I'm like love bombing you. I'm just like sending you an overwhelming portfolio <laughs> of like positive feedback. Which I love and I, I need. Good, I'll be like good. in bed, like about to fall asleep, like knowing I have some like terrible things scheduled the next day and then i get like a text from you because you're on la time it's just like all these nice comments i'm like oh my god good good (laughs) that makes me happy well i do have a very dark story a very confusing story for you this is a true mystery which i had kind of teased to you before but i did not tell you before we got on what we were going to be doing it is the strange and mysterious death of the unknown woman only known as jennifer fairgate Now, I know that maybe you do remember when I told you this, but I don't think that you know much about it because I only teased it. I didn't give you the details of the case. Do you remember anything about it? Mysterious death. Um, Jennifer Fairgate. Jennifer Fairgate. Mysterious death. If I say that fast enough, I might have to bleep Um, it out. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like you and I just (laughs) talked about a mysterious death. Was it it her? Well— it might have been. I think I maybe I did. T- I think I thought it was coming the following week, and then I had to do some like schedule changes because I saw like there was something else in the roster. There is a, a secret master doc of all of the upcoming episodes. <laughs> Just oh to God. tease, knock on wood, we don't get hacked. But um. I switched this around because I I just felt compelled to do it. And a number of creepers have suggested it and they've asked for it. But to fill you in, it is a case, a mysterious case that took place in a hotel room with a woman who was not who she said she was. And it is possibly the story of female espionage or an assassination. So this, <gasps> I thought I would throw you a curveball. Oh. Yeah. I, I am living right now. <laughs> I was like, let's you take You know a, I'm living. Well, you know I live for espionage. I was like, this 
and I got pictures because I was like, this really has to be told visually. So I'm going to send you links to pictures throughout this. But I was like, let me throw like a little, a little curveball from like classic true crime and the disappearances. And I was going to tell you this unnerving story about what went down in room 2805 in this hotel. Now, is this a story that's right up your alley or is it right up your alley? Just tell me. Female spa, oh come on. Oh my God. It's, you know, it's right <laughs> up my alley. Also, I'm immediately getting like room 1046 stage vu. I know. So what am I, room 2508? 20, 2805. 2805. Yeah. Some people, I heard some people re- who were researching it who said 2806, but that's incorrect. For anyone who says that, I believe that's incorrect because I looked at the actual sign. I have the sign in slip when she signed into the hotel. So I see the room number. <gasps> Now, I, I will jump into, like, the top line pretty quick, and, you know, we're going to sort of go through the night of and kind of break down the timeline. I will run through all of these theories because this is kind of theory-ridden, and I'll talk to you about who this woman might have been and why this case has remained so mysterious since the 90s. But before I do, of course, if you are listening to Creep Time, the podcast, welcome back, first of all, and we love you for listening. We would love it if you could follow or subscribe to the podcast just so you don't miss any of the weekly episodes because they come out every Friday. Also, since you just heard us talking about reviews, if you feel so inclined to leave us a review, we do love those and they really, really do help us. I think we said this the last episode, but reviews and word of mouth, huge, huge for the po- This is a German case, so I'm already going to get into my German accent. That's a new one. The German oh accent unlocked. It's German? Um, well, no, sorry, it's Norway. Uh, but she might have been German. <laughs> <laughs> Fact checked. It's uh, <laughs> and wow, not even through the exposition yet. <laughs> called out. <sighs> but it's all in the same ballpark. It's yeah, I mean, it's yeah. I'm I'm getting I have a visual of who this person is. Um but yeah, for anybody that you guys reap into creep time, reap in, that you rope into <gasps> creep time, the podcast, please, please. I've had a coffee. Reap. That you reap in, baby. Um, it really, really <laughs> does help us. Like, you have no idea how much we appreciate whenever you talk about the podcast with coworkers or friends or family, or even when you just talk about it online. Oh, okay. Which brings me to my other thing. We love it when you talk about the podcast on Reddit. But speaking of, Stu and I have made a Reddit for Creep Time, the podcast. So, for because some creepers have suggested it and they've said, is there like an after show group chat or something where we can like talk through theories or like talk with other creepers and talk about the cases that you cover? And I was like, what a brilliant idea. We should absolutely make a Reddit thread. So we are going to be posting daily on there, usually after all of the backlogged episodes or after new episodes, just talking about the cases, talking about different theories, because most of them really are unsolved so if you want to come join us it is creep time the podcast on reddit you can follow us there and with that Stu, are you ready i am ready i like that i was big, gonna try breath. to do that in a german accent and then i just was like don't do it don't do it don't wait do can it. i hear it can i hear it no i can't do a german accent so i already knew it was gonna be terrible didn't i i told you a joke i tried to lie to you and tell you i, I told you i could speak german and i can't <laughs> and I, because I knew ones, I knew a German song, the lyrics to a German song. So I would go around like speaking them as if it was like <laughs> me just saying sentences. But then I was corrected by a German person and she was like, it's not German. It's not German. Probably very swiftly you were corrected. <laughs> I certainly was. Certainly. 
and Visat. That's not German. Or maybe it is. Visat. In Visat. Yeah. Es geht into the top line. That's good. Was it good? Yeah. All right. We'll add it to the, <laughs> we'll add it to my unrolling a- accents every episode. Mm. Okay. Now, on the 31st of May, 1995, got a 90s case for you. A young woman checked into the Oslo Plaza Hotel, which was considered a very upscale and luxury hotel. And she used the name Jennifer Fairgate when she signed in for her room. Now, just three days later, following her stay in this premier hotel, Jennifer Fairgate is found dead in her hotel room, the result of a gunshot wound to the head. Now, it was ruled that this was a self-inflicted wound and that this mystery um, that took her life in this hotel room, it, it only got deeper the further they kind of dug into the investigation. And they realized by the end of it that they were going to come back with more questions than answers as to who she really was and whether or not this was a suicide or this was a homicide. So this is the mystery of what went down in 2805 all those years ago. Any goosebumps? A 90s case. <laughs> a 90s case. It's been a minute. Yeah. And I, I normally expect these like hotel, like I always think of the 20s or like the 40s or something. But I really made my 90s. mark with uh, 1046, didn't I? You did. You did. <laughs> but yeah, something about, well, it's just eerie the idea one someone dying in a hotel room in a very like nefarious way, but it's even stranger to think that after their death, investigators were just riddled with questions. Like they could not yeah. figure out who this woman was, even though she came in under this name, but it wasn't her real name. And was this in Oslo, like in Norway? In Norway. In Norway. Ja. Definitely don't have a Norwegian <laughs> accent for you, but <laughs> I wouldn't even know what it sounds like. <laughs> we stick to German. We, no. I, I I did have one friend that was Norwegian in college. Did you? And I did. And I will say about the Nor- the Norwegians is that they're very like, one time I went up to give him a hug and he was like, he pulled away and he goes, don't do that. You all hug too much. You Americans, <laughs> you hug too much. <laughs> It's like you hug too much because, like, I guess my hug just felt like disingenuous, just like a hi. Oh, like, don't don't do that. The very can be can be very icy, maybe a little bit. Yes, but I was going to get into the timeline of the events, so I I figured we could go by backtracking and actually cover the night she was discovered, and then backtrack to the three days prior when she first came to the hotel. Does that sound good? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so. The date was Saturday, June 3rd, 1995, and it was shortly after 7.30 p.m. when the receptionist down at the front desk of the Oslo Plaza, she took note of two guests, two guests, who were staying in 2805, who had exceeded the credit limit on file. But then after digging a bit deeper, it appeared that there was actually no credit card on file. Very unusual, because it was against protocol for this hotel, and all guests who were checking in usually had to put some form of payment on file. Now, what this receptionist noticed was that there were two names listed on the room, so she assumed, again, two guests. One was Jennifer, the other was Louise, both with the last name Fairgate. Now, this was a bit of an interesting hotel, um, because they had this feature, maybe this was a luxury feature back in the day, where you could actually pay for things with a prompt that was um, sent to your TV, like in your room. 
So you you could order room service and stuff from your TV. So the hotel staff, they send a message to the TV that in the room 2805, which read something, I'll paraphrase it, but it's it's like to the effect of like, please contact the cashier downstairs or something. Like you have an overdue Mm -hmm. balance, right? Outstanding balance. Now this prompt on the TV won't go away unless someone physically uses the remote to acknowledge it by pressing OK. And that like lets the system know someone is in the room. And there was someone in that room who did. Now, this was not the first message that was sent to that TV, indicating that there was a balance due for the room, as no one had actually paid in full for the room yet, and it was an expensive room. It was roughly $300 a night. Now, the receptionist, after sending that message getting the okay, did not get a phone call because it said, call the front desk. So... She acts, She ends up, like, calling the housekeeping department to say, like, have you interacted with the guests in room 2805? The housekeeping staff notified the receptionist that they had been in there once, but they had not been in from Thursday to Saturday, as there was a do not disturb sign that was hung outside the door for days. But clearly, there was somebody in the room, because not only did someone just acknowledge the message on the TV that was just sent, but they were acknowledging the previous messages by pressing OK on the remote. Something in this woman at the reception desk, it it stirred in her. And she was like, there's something that's not right in that room. 2805, it feels off. So she asks the on-duty security officer if he can go up to check on the guests in the room. So the security officer did so. He made his way up to the 28th floor and he approached the door to knock under the impression that there were two guests in the room, as he was told. He gets close enough to the door and knocks, and the second he does, he heard a single gunshot come from behind the door, and he ran down the hall, hid behind a corridor in a panic. Fabulous security officer. Now, I can't blame the guy, but timing-wise, this was at 7.50, so just a mere 20 minutes after the initial message was sent and acknowledged from the television inside the room. He used his radio to call for backup, and he also contacted the police and described you know, what he just experienced, and he did so by making his way downstairs and discreetly relaying it to the front desk so as not to cause a panic with the other hotel guests, which is a is a decision for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. seems like something a luxury hotel might do. So then we shipped back in, and the head of security arrives, and he goes back upstairs with the initial security guard. Police have not arrived yet. So this is like pretty soon, like after that 750 mark of the gunshot being heard. Again, still under the impression that there's possibly a second person in that room because there are two names that are on the reservation. So they go to the door, they knock, they do not receive an answer. The head of security then uses his key card, like master key, to get into the room with his gun drawn, expecting to find somebody hiding. But before he can get into the room, he realized that the double interior lock, like the latch on the door was closed, which meant it seemed nearly impossible, like anybody could have entered or exited that room since the gunshot, so we think. So he's expecting to get in and find someone either dead and maybe someone hiding. Although, to be clear, there was that period of time where the door was not monitored because the initial security guard, like I said, had gone back downstairs to the receptionist at the front desk. So the head of security, he uses a special security tool, and he's able to get the door open, even with that inside latch locked, immediately gets in and described a very pungent smell coming from inside the room, which he he mentioned was really difficult to actually describe. He wasn't sure 
what he was smelling, and it wasn't comparable to anything he thought might have been decomposition or anything like that. The room is not massive, so what they do initially notice is that no one appears to be hiding anywhere in the room. And there is a single body of a woman on the bed in a very strange and unnatural position. One of her arms is raised above her head, um, like, and her she's facing straight up, like, face to the ceiling. And the curtains in the room appear to be blowing. The window on the 28th floor is now open. What he also noticed was that the TV was on, and just from the initial surveying of the scene, something didn't feel right. And it starts to feel, even though it, there's just one person in here and it might look like a suicide, something felt very strange. So he decided to back out of the room and stand guard with the other security guard and wait for police to come in to properly inspect the scene, which they do exactly 30 minutes after the initial gunshot at 7.50. That is our exposition. How do you feel right away? Because <laughs> I know, actually, can I send you a picture of the woman? Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm going to um, warn you before you see this picture. Okay. It's a little, I mean, this is a drawing of her. It's not graphic. Okay. So it's a drawing to like show what she would have looked like in life and what witnesses remembered seeing her as. Um, And when I covered this on TikTok, I got roasted and people were like, is that you? <laughs> oh my god. Wait, yeah. Dark hair, bright eyes. Yeah. I was like, um, you are foul for this that. This also looks like your one of your characters that you played when we were on tour. Absolutely. Um this is me. <laughs> wait, so this is the this is the sketch of when they saw her on the bed? Well, this is like imagine her like imagine her life like, you know what I mean? To try to like, do you recognize okay, this woman? Okay, okay, okay. Because eventually there's no one who claims her, you know, like they're never able to properly identify her. And I'll get into that in a little bit, but this is the this is the sketch that made the rounds in the press where they're like mystery woman in twenty eight oh five. Who is she? And it's a wow. really unnerving visual. Actually. I mean, she looks like very unusual. I mean, like in a interesting way not in a bad way just like not your run-of-the-mill like features i would agree yeah there's something there's something eerie about her i i don't yeah quite trust her but this is exactly the how she's described well yeah i know the outfit is a lot and that plays into like the strangeness of how she was dressed because she was fully fully dressed on that bed i'm gonna send you actually a picture a pov of what they saw when they first opened the door um, you won't okay. be able to see the body or anything in here, but you will see what the hotel room looked like. And for creepers who can't see this, uh, if I could just kind of visually describe what she looks like, what the room looks like. So she oh, has gosh. short, dark hair, kind of like a black um, collar and black undershirt that's buttoned up to the neck, bright, piercing blue eyes, pale skin, white woman. And this hotel room looks extraordinarily 90s, very like I was, I was just going to say this is so 90s. Very, like, opulent, like, 90s hotel room. And maybe not ex- excessively opulent, um, but it has a vibe. It just, like, the heavy curtains, the, like, ivory, the gold, the light wood. It's very 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the first thing I was going to say was, holy crap, I can't remember the last time we did a case where the crime scene wasn't botched immediately that they actually stood (laughs) back and said, we're going to wait for cops. This is one of those rare instances where there's really nothing bad to say about County. So, I mean, so we think, but (laughs) 
it's if anything i would say it's the hotel who kind of like is fishy here okay well norwegian county i would think that they've got their their stuff together norwegian <laughs> county put that on merch too <laughs> yeah trust norwegian county <laughs> Trust Norwegian County. But yeah, I just wanted um, to give you some initial visuals because I felt like this would, does this help color it a little bit more for you and just set the scene? Definitely. Definitely. Like visually, we have a very interesting, like you said, kind of unnerving looking woman. Mm-hmm. And then like putting that next to this visual of the hotel room, like imagining that person in this hotel room is very like just weird to me it is Um, yeah she doesn't look like she goes with the room is what i kind of feel not at all i I mean we get into like some of the timeline that they're able to reconstruct a bit later as to how she spent her time because she was there theoretically for you know days like checked into this hotel so the mystery of like what she was doing there and like where she was and where she wasn't at different times and like based on the key card data it's really interesting so those are my initial pictures. I am going to flood you with some more that are a little more distressing in a bit. But okay. for now, I'll keep going. So let's discuss what exactly is found in the room. And while I tell you this, feel free to look at that picture if you want to like let your imagination run wild. Oh, I'm going to. So police do arrive 30 minutes later, like I said, and they properly inspect the scene of what looks like a crime. They enter the room where, again, the woman, you know, she's found on the bed described in that bizarre position laying straight up with both of her legs dangling down at the foot of the bed. And actually, before I keep going, I do have a picture of that as well, which is a little more morbid, but I'm going to send it to you. All right. Let me know if you get that. Could you tell I've had a full cup of coffee at like 5 p.m.? (laughs) This is like the Wicked Witch of the West, the way they... It's cre- this photo. It's creepy. Well, I mean, this is the way she was found, like straight on the bed, dressed all the way down to the shoes. Full black, all and black. Creep- creeper, she's wearing like black pantyhose and like black high patent pumps. Like, how interesting. Yeah, I think I have. A, I mean, this there, visual. Yeah, there is a picture I could send you of like all the clothes they removed from her body. But I'll talk about that in just a little bit. So I'll keep going. Okay. So they entered that room. And like I said, they found her on the bed, legs hangling down from the foot of the bed, bent at the knees. One arm is awkwardly raised above her head in an unnatural position. The other is resting on her chest. She is described by police as a white female, looks to be somewhere close to 30. She has short, dark hair, bright, piercing blue eyes that look like they've grayed over. Found next to the body is a 9mm pistol, which was awkwardly gripped in her hand, which again was resting on her chest. The visual description of the body mentioned that she was staring, facing up, eyes open, and there was a visible bullet wound on her head, and there was significant blood loss, which was found in various parts of the room, and they found it a bit strange, because police described finding blood on the pillow, on the bed, on the bed frame, the nightstand, the phone, the walls, and even on the ceiling above her, which immediately reminded me of 1046, like how blood was all over the room. On the ceiling, yeah. Mm -hmm. So what they also added to the report, which they found bizarre and slightly inconsistent, is that her hands had no blood on them at all, despite the weapon, the actual pistol, had blood splatters all over it. This led them to actually inspect the pistol a bit further in her right hand, which they found was actually held in reverse, backwards, upside down. 
So it's very awkward, very unnatural position where her thumb is actually on the trigger and the rest of her fingers are kind of gripped around uh, like the body or the barrel of the pistol. Mm-hmm. Something else that struck them as odd when they initially dusted was that there were no fingerprints found on the gun. Supposedly, not even hers, to suggest that she had been handling the gun. It had been wiped clean. Weird. Weird. How? That's for us to, maybe that's for us to figure out. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. We are here for a reason. So further documentation of the room showed evidence that the bed had been slept in and the bedding and the duvet uh, appeared to be used. There was also a black women's briefcase that was found on the side of the bed and it was determined that it was a, from a German manufacturing company and it was a high-end luxury leather bag. I actually have a picture of this as well. This is, I, I don't want to say this is fun because a mystery woman is dead, lo- but. Uh, yeah, no, I, I love, I love having the visuals. Yeah, I'm going to incorporate this. Warrior, yeah, I'm going to incorporate this much more in the future, like getting visuals for you. Cause it, it really, this has some of like the highest quality crime scene photos that have ever leaked for any case that yeah. I've looked at. I mean, I just sent you a Polaroid, but you know what I mean? No, I know it. I listened. It was the nineties. Yeah. But you can see it at the foot of the bed over there. And what you can also see on the floor is that, I believe that's a bullet casing. Yes. So this strange high-end leather luxury bag, it was interesting, but not as interesting as what they found inside of it. This was more so confusing. The interior of this bag or briefcase, however you want to paint it, contains nothing but 25 live rounds of ammunition and no other personal belongings that looked consistent with what any normal woman or person might have in her bag. And on the floor, they found two bullet casings, which quickly became their clue that there might have been something else going on here in this room. Both bullets and gunshot locations were quickly determined. So to clarify, no one else on the floor and the security officer never heard two guns go off. Only one shot was ever heard by anyone but there is clear evidence that two shots were fired. So the first bullet, for some reason, was entered into the hotel pillow and left a burn mark, and then it was found that the pillow was intentionally flipped over on the bed to hide the burn mark. It's presumed that the second bullet that was fired was the bullet that killed her. It's just a question of whether or not she fired the gun or she was fired at. So they surveyed the body further, Uh, And they recorded, you know, just how odd it was, the way she was dressed. Because, like I said, she was fully clothed, even down to the stockings and the shoes. She was dressed entirely in black, complete with the black sheer stockings, the black leather designer heels. And while inspecting her clothing, this is going to flip you, which was eventually removed and archived as evidence in this case, they realized that all of her clothing had had all tags and labels removed, with the exception of her shoes, which had Made in Italy etched into the soles, and it could not be removed or covered. From further inspections of the room, which was kept impeccably clean, they did say, it appeared they found only three garments hanging in the closet. All but one also had all tags and labels removed, with the exception of one piece which could not have the label removed, otherwise it would destroy uh, the stitch work. So that garment was later connected back to a German fashion house, again, a very high-end piece, but there's no record exactly of where it was purchased or when. 
She was found with no toiletries in her bathroom, no evidence of a toothbrush, toothpaste, no cosmetics, hair products, nothing. With that said, the bathroom did show evidence of the soap and the shampoo being used recently, and it appeared someone had taken a shower in that room at least within the last 24 hours. Closer to like the luggage trolley area in the room, there were various artifacts, um, such as bags, there were women's pantyhose, bras, and again, all of which appeared to have all tags and labels completely removed. There was also a half-eaten plate in the room of a room service meal, which they confirmed was ordered the night before. And next to it appeared to be a bottle of men's cologne, which, oh my god, I have a picture of this as well. Give me a second. Oh, of the meal. That was so weird. As you were saying that, I was zooming in on the room photo, and I was like, I think that's the the plate. Baby, I've got a I've got an up close shot for you. Okay, okay, I need it. Okay, looking right now. You can see the cologne bottle yep, and the that's food. The plate. Yep. Yeah, I could see it. Weird. Okay. Very um, <laughs> like. Yeah, European, I guess I would say. Like, the bratwurst. Like <laughs> it's bratwurst. The bratwurst. And potato salad. And potato salad and lettuce and some, it looks like some sort of like sauce to eat it with. Some ketchup. German ketchup. German ketchup. But yeah, the men's um, cologne bottle is interesting to me. Men's cologne. Men's cologne. Which, again, they did dust that for fingerprints. There were no fingerprints found on it outside of hers. And there were no other... No other indicating factors in the room that could suggest a man had been living there for several days with her, such as a razor or like shaving trimmings, large footprints, etc. And then just a couple of additional details um, I was able to dig up from the initial crime scene report. It appeared that there was a bedspread, and you might be able to see this actually in that initial crime scene photo I sent you. Mm -hmm. It was described that it was rolled up into like a ball and then placed on a chair in the corner, but it was never deemed. Yes, I can see it. You can. It was never taken for evidence. It was never deemed relevant for whatever reason. And there was also a half-eaten bag of potato chips as well as a Coca-Cola regular, which was finished, and a Coca-Cola light which was finished. I don't know what Coca-Cola light is, but it was something. Diet Coke. Di- <laughs> Pre-Diet Coke. <laughs> Soft Pre-Diet Diet Coke. Coke but, or just the European version, they might call it Coca-Cola light. Yeah, maybe. And there was also a newspaper of USA Today, which was found in the room and had a different room number written on the plastic um, packaging outside of it. I think it was 2106, although there were never any further details as to who was staying in that room and whether or not that was connected to the case or why that newspaper was in this woman's room. They did inspect the phone records of the room, and they were able to trace and find that she only made two phone calls while she was in there, both of which went to Belgium, but both went to numbers that seemingly did not exist. So let's pause what? there, because we've this is some strangeness going on in this place. Super weird. So let's maybe just like quickly recap. We have a woman who kind of looks like she may have a self-inflicted wound, although the gun is held basically upside down and backwards and there's no blood on her hands, but there's blood all over the gun and there's no fingerprints on the gun. We have all of these clothing items that have labels that were intentionally ripped out and no toiletries. So who is she? And a man, a col- cologne bottle, a men's cologne bottle. Now, any thoughts on her potentially being a sex worker? 
that is certainly um, something that people have suggested. It's okay. very possible she could have. I mean, there's a couple of inconsistencies, inconsistencies here that make me think maybe not. Um, but it's not off the table. It's very possible. It's the connection. The Okay, so first of all, the sketch that you sent me. Mm-hmm. At first, I was like, what an unusual but, like, very striking-looking woman. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also, like, kind of taking her sketch and making the connection to, like, it seems like this world of, like, luxury and designer items. Mm -hmm. And she looks very, like, in a way, kind of high fashion from that sketch you sent me. And I'm, like, wondering what her story is. Like, uh, yeah. Or is she helping to... Is she potentially like someone that does things for people that are higher clientele and she like she could be an assassin kind of kind of like assassin or like money laundering of sorts or like does she kind of drug cartel? Is she like a go through? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Drug mule or something. Well, the most interesting thing that I think etches this out of the possibility that she's a sex worker is that that bag is found with all that ammunition in it. Twenty five rounds. That's not even consistent with somebody who wants to take their life. That's consistent with someone who has a mission to kill or is yeah. trying to like stay safe and defend themselves. Yeah. Like a hitman of sorts. So um, fa- I just I just finished killing Eve. Not to relate this back to something trivial, okay. but I did finish killing Eve and it's it, I just could not stop thinking about that. Again, because that's, you know, European and based in the UK too for parts of it. Yeah. Female assassin. It's, it's, such a good show. It's definitely giving an assassin or like espionage, like you said, um, vibe. I'm also wondering. She looks like a spy to me. She looks like a spy. She does. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Does it ever get tossed around like that somebody else could have like left the briefcase there to make it look like she was a hitman or anything that was left there, I think was probably left there. Intentionally. I mean, we're going to break down the timeline. I, I think so to like make something look like something, but the timing of how quickly all of that was assembled is very strange to me because it was somebody who was very familiar with how to stage a scene, I think, and do so under a condensed time period. Because by the time that initial security guard hears the gunshot and then goes back downstairs, 28 floors down, and then comes back up with the other security guard, by the time they're back up and they open that door, the scene has already been set. Toiletries have been confiscated. Like, it, there's there's more that's been confiscated, more that's missing from the scene. We'll get into it. But, like, she's already kind of been posed. And whoever did it yeah. somehow knew how to close that door from the outside and lock the inside latch. That's the strangest part about all of this. Or, I mean, some people have said the window is something we should look at, too. The window, yeah. But they're 28 floors up. I've. I don't know. I've seen a James Bond movie or two. They might have been able to scale down that puppy. Oh, my God. Inspector Gadget. Wouldn't you find, I mm-hmm. mean, but wouldn't you find, like, a rope or something that, sh- like, indicated, like, or, like, something they could, like, latch on where they could scale down? Like, how would you get down? I mean, maybe, but. Th- it looks like a corporate building. About- it's like a it's like a skyscraper with, like, all glass windows, kind of. Or, like. I feel like what you always see in movies is they go to the next room over. Like they somehow scale themselves over to a room that's not as far away. And then that's how they get out. Yeah. No, that, that's a good point too. 
I mean, there were, I think they did look at the rooms and who had occupied the rooms that were around her. And I think they, most of those people were ruled out, but it's very possible. I'm more so perplexed by this person who somehow is able to deal with the inside. Well, I guess, yeah, the inside latch, then you're saying they scaled the building to get to the room, like the balcony over. That's what you're saying? Or like even if they went down, but then again, then you have to know that those rooms are empty. I guess, or kill the people and in there to too. Them. <laughs> or just like yeah, take them out yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. Such an eerie, eerie situation, but I'll keep going. Now, after collecting the majority of the evidence, they rolled around to like four or five in the morning, and this is when the body was removed from the room as well as the mattress and any of the bedding and clothing were taken for evidence. The room was then released back to the hotel. So they then begin the investigation. And tried to figure out, like, what came before the actual event of the shooting. Like, who was this woman? What are the records the hotel has? Like, let's figure out where she came from. The initial booking details of the room indicated that she placed her reservation over the phone months prior. And when she had first called the hotel, they marked down that she spoke in English. Although another record showed that in late May, she called back to confirm her reservation and add in an additional guest. She spoke in German. German. It was during this confirmation of the reservation. Oh, I just said that. Yeah, that she added in her guest and she said this person's name was Louise Fairgate. Another Fairgate. Now, when she did come to check into the hotel, she used the name Jennifer Fairgate, indicating that she was a 21-year-old woman on paper. And I do have, oh my God, I can't believe I got all this together. I'm happy. Very happy I get to send this to you. I have her initial like slip that she signed when checking into the hotel. Oh, that's so eerie. It is. To, it I is like eerie. to think about it. I can't wait to actually see it. Yeah. Well, this becomes really valuable evidence because this is how they think they're going to be able to identify her. So members of the hotel staff who remembered her checking in recalled seeing her with a man who accompanied her at the time. And she was escorted to her room by him. Following these, wish, these initial witness statements of this man... There were no further witnesses who claimed to see him leave or enter the hotel at any time. It was only upon their arrival. So investigators trace back to her initial sign-in record, which I, which I just sent you, and they look up the address mm-hmm. that she provided as her home address, which appeared to be a town in Germany that does not exist. They also realized that she provided a phone number, which was not connected back to her at all. And furthermore, there seems to be no record of a Jennifer or Louise Fairgate that existed in these territories. And she listed her employer just as the word service, which is not connected back to any specific company. So again, another dead end. Now, what was curious about the investigation is that the hotel, being a premium location, has a very strict policy that when you check in, they require identification. Somehow, somehow, she was able to check in without an ID. And there's no explanation for that. How that happened. Weird. Additionally, there's no ID that's ever found on her person or in her room. She had on her body or in her room, she has no money, like no cash, no credit cards, no ID, no keys, a, and, and no toiletries. A person with virtually no belongings who looks like they killed themselves. Something is off with the scene. Something is so off. One thing I did want to just point out, and I'm sure I 
I know that you kind of said it's a dead end, mm -hmm. but I was looking at the company that she signed with, the service, mm -hmm. Belgia. And I'm like, is that Belgium? And was she calling Belgium numbers? Like, is there any correlation there? I'm just, I'm not even posing that to you. I'm just speaking it out loud. I wish I had an answer for you. Unfortunately, my days in I the know. intelligence force are, are finished. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the first thing I was like, Belgium, Belgia, I don't mm -hmm. know. Well, it's interesting too, the idea that like there were two outgoing calls theoretically to like Belgium area codes, I guess. They were able to like trace these numbers, but the numbers didn't go anywhere. So yeah, that is strange to think like who she was trying to reach in Belgium or more importantly, why she had the wrong information about who she was calling. Right. Bizarre. I do have some more here though. Let me see. There were very few witnesses, well, specifically about like seeing her around the hotel. Very few people remembered seeing Jennifer Fairgate. She was kind of an elusive figure who was like in and out of the hotel during her three days of stay. And according to some of the data that was provided from the key card lock system on the door, the key cards were only used a total of five times during the stay. Although the data that is registered with this can only register when someone goes in to access the room. It mm -hmm. can't register when someone like leaves from the room. So we do it. This like helps us assemble some of the timeline of how we think she spent her stay, like in conjunction with what some of the witnesses saw. But with that information, that's going to get us the closest to how this most likely unfolded. So I was going to run through the timeline, but are there any initial thoughts just on how you're feeling about this? It certainly, certainly is difficult for me to believe that this is a cut and dry self-inflicted injury. Yeah, no, it definitely doesn't it doesn't it doesn't smell like that. It's it feels like she got there and like had a mission and was waiting. It was like a waiting game and then the thing happened. Somebody showed up and yeah. it either went awry or she I, in one world I started to think to myself was she part of some operation and actually she got played like she was there totally. somebody intentionally turned on her. to meet somebody and yeah. somebody turned on her. I mean, that feels the most like she, I mean, they do say that she arrived with a man. So she clearly arrived with somebody who I could only assume was like a business partner, like an associate, another spy. It's possible he could have been a rat or maybe not a rat. Mm -hmm. um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like Someone, an, um, uh, double. Um, yeah, like someone who's on the inside, not a plant. Oh my God. What is the word I'm thinking of? Oh my God. What? Like a double agent. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess that's it. He's a double agent. Like he's he's infiltrated her operation, yeah. so he killed her and knew how to cover it up. It's just the how fast he did it is what's crazy to me. Like within minutes, he's able to basically yeah. erase all of her identity. That's so nuts. So let's go further into the timeline. Now at ten forty four p.m. After somehow checking in without any need for identification, which is also really fishy to me, and I would source back to the hotel for this because either she's very good and like knew how to play her way into the hotel without having to turn over ID, or this is a hotel that's also aware of like who's staying there, you know, like that right. op operations are taking place. So she's given two key cards, and we find at 1044, like I said, she used the key card to enter the room for the very first time. This is on the evening of May 31st. 
The next timestamp we have is the keycard being used again that night at 12.29 a.m. So we know that either another keycard was given, maybe to this man, and he didn't go into the room with her, and he came into the room at 12.29, or they went into the room and then immediately left the room for about an hour or two, came back into the room. They stay there. For most of the night, it looks like, and then leave maybe sometime early in the morning and then come back because the next timestamp, we have someone using a key card again to get into the room at 8.34 a.m. This is the following morning. Mm-hmm. Now, between 12.44 to 12.50 p.m. that afternoon, two housekeepers, staff members entered into the room and they became valuable witnesses here to talk about the state of the room and like what they saw when they first entered. Like, was she there? They claimed everything looked very normal, although there were no occupants in the room at the time. So what we know is when they re-entered at like eight something in the morning, they then left, went someplace else for the entire day. They weren't there in the afternoon. So they're in there. They noticed that the second duvet appeared to have not been used, and this was provided for the second guest. And after the housekeepers leave that afternoon, it appears nobody entered the room for that night. The next timestamp that we have, let's see, is someone using the key card at 8.50 a.m. on Friday morning. So nobody slept there that night. Very, very strange. (laughs) But someone does come the following morning, 8.50, and this is a Friday morning, we believe, She also spoke with the receptionist downstairs, and she was seen alone at this time, and she was looking to Mm. extend her stay until Sunday. She was also issued new key cards for this, and again, somehow was able to do this without having to provide identification. A witness, who was also hotel staff, then claimed to see her after she got the key card and was going up to her room around that 8.50 a.m. hour. They said they saw her walking in alone, and before closing the door, she hung the Do Not Disturb sign on the outside of the door, and it remained. At 11.03 a.m. the same day, a key card was used again from the outside to enter the room, and then there were no further entries until the evening. So she's just in there all day. The next timestamp we have comes at 8 p.m. that night when it appears Jennifer called for room service. And that was the plate I sent you. That's what she ordered. Mm-hmm. So she ordered her dinner. It's like bratwurst and potato salad. Closer to 8.30, room service does arrive. This is also another really valuable witness. They come to the room to drop off her plate. The staff member walks in. They said she appeared to be alone. The room looked very tidy. She had the TV on. And she tipped $8 in cash which was considered a pretty exceptional tip. It was higher than average, but it's more interesting that she seemed to have cash on her because there's no cash found on her when she's found dead. $8 cash. What do you make of that? Well, and and interestingly, her slip said that she paid in cash. Her room slip. Does it say that? It says she paid in cash. Yeah. Fascinating. Maybe that's how so she like, was. Yeah. Did she had the exact amount or needed to get rid of the last little bit or something like it's. I, I don't know. I mean, either that or her cash was confiscated by whoever killed her. Right, right. Interesting. She paid with cash because she did. She certainly did not pay for all of her nights. Maybe she put down like the initial deposit for the room or like paid for the first night. But that was the whole issue of why they contacted her. They're like, you have an outstanding balance and you have no credit card on file. Well, or did mm. she extend her stay and then never paid for it? And they were like, oh. Jennifer Fairgate still hasn't paid her tab, but we don't have a card on file. Somebody needs to 
she can't stay at the hotel unless she pays. Mm. I think that's more for than her likely. Nights. Yeah, I think that's more than likely what happened. But even so, it is still odd that she was able to get key cards and extend her stay and get additional key cards issued without having to provide ID or without paying for that extended stay up front. Right. But who knows? But again, like I said, no money, no ID, no credit cards, no keys. And we just got a gunshot. Additional witnesses would also include the man who was staying directly across from her room. He was only ever identified as Mr. F. And in a very strange declaration, I think you would, um, I know, <laughs> Mr. F. Girl, that's me. <laughs> Mr. I F. I know. I'm like, Mr. F that, F this, yeah. F that. He made a very strange declaration that I think you would find very interesting. When he checked out, it was the same day that she was found dead. It was Saturday, but this was well before the, the whole gunshot scenario happened because that happened at like 7.50 p.m. He checked out hours before. He claimed later to journalists that he was told by who he thought was a member of the hotel staff that the woman across the way from him was found dead. So when journalists like caught wind of that, like after the fact, like after the story broke, they like pressed him and they were like, who did you talk to? And he's like, I, they're like, how did you know? And he's like, I was, I'm just relaying what I was told. There was somebody who I thought was a hotel staff member when I was checking out and they said, you know, the woman across the way from you has been found dead. And I thought that was horrible, but I didn't think anything of it because they didn't tell me how she died. And he just carried on. This is a, this definitely has to be a hotel where like the staff have been infiltrated. I fully believe that. Fully. There's like too much has happened where like she's been given access to a room, issued key cards without ID they're relaying messages to like random patrons of the hotel. Like, I just feel like something's fishy with the staff. <laughs> I don't know if I can fully well, trust them. It's like, it's like something's fishy. I, what I kept thinking was, I think in a luxury hotel, sometimes the staff gets, you know, influenced or persuaded to mm -hmm. do certain things for people because they are, very persuasive and say, oh, you know, I'll pay, you know, this amount later and whatever. Like, I think that sometimes in a luxury hotel, you can get away with more, you know what, because mm -hmm. they just expect that you'll be able to pay for it or that you'll keep your, um, that's true. Your, uh, not dignity, but your, uh, your word kind of, you'll be, yeah, you'll keep the word. You'll, yeah. Yeah, I would um I would agree to discretion. that. Discretion. Discretion. You'll be discreet. Like just you know. screams discretion. Um, discretion. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I've I've certainly seen that depicted in a lot of like TV shows and movies where like a lot of shady things certainly go on in luxury or high-end hotels, but still the people who pay, they are your clientele. So even if things are not quite above board, I think a lot of luxury hotels, like you're saying, are willing to look the other way and be discreet. Like yeah. yeah. Makes total sense. But then I'm going to get into a little bit of the initial autopsy of the body. Now, it is immediately clear once they bring her in and they examine her that she is not a 21-year-old woman, um, as they had initially suspected. She's actually somewhere between 30 to 35, they think. And she apparently, this is very interesting, had undigested food in her body, which was later found to be part of that bratwurst and the potato salad that was ordered from room service but it was ordered the night before. But it's believed she consumed it very, very shortly before she died. Which is weird to think. Like, why would you order a whole plate of room service and leave it out for the entire night just to eat it? Like, 
30 minutes to an hour before something horrible happened. You know, it just, it was yeah. odd. Cause I looked at or that you plate. Wake looks, up really hungry. Yeah. Well, the plate wasn't even, I mean, what they're thinking is that the plate wasn't touched when it was first delivered the night before. And that also read to me, I was like, okay, is that like a common practice of people who work in intelligence? Like when their food is delivered from the outside, like, is it that they intentionally have to leave it for a little bit to see if anyone comes to check if it's like a poisoning plot or something? Me yeah. knowing nothing I mean, about like, looks like spies. <laughs> I'm like, a poisoning plot maybe. It also looks like, let me tell you something that seems weird about this photo. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's barely touched, like the oh, food, yeah. but there's so much ketchup that's been eaten. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Which is all preserved like that, like is screaming something to me. I don't know why. Oh, why did that's you a good eat point. A huge thing of ketchup, <laughs> which, you know, but that's like you're saying, if we're thinking like, is it poisoned or something? Ketchup's mm-hmm. not going to be poisoned. They're in these little individual packages. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Really, really good point. I didn't think about that. But yeah, I could imagine like if that's like a protocol that you just leave your food for a little bit and then wait to see if somebody tries to like sneak back into the room to see if you've you've died, you know, or like if their plan unfolded yeah. correctly. But yeah, I thought that was very strange. The idea that she didn't seem to touch the food until more than 24 hours later. And then postmortem, they do get fingerprints that are taken of the body, which would match back to several fingerprints, which are found on different items in the room, all of which are connected back to Jennifer. So although there are fingerprints that appeared on different items, when they are traced back to all of the records of the systems that are available, investigators turn up nothing. She is never linked back to a specific person that has any kind of record. Additionally, they looked at her dental work and they were like, okay, well, she has some like porcelain. She also has some crowns in there. So maybe we can trace back on that. It appeared to be very high-end work, but this was work that was consistent of what could have been seen in multiple parts throughout Europe as well as possibly the U.S. So that's a dead end as well. And additionally, there is a detail that comes out from the room that I found interesting it appeared some of the garments were missing. Following the inspection and collection of all of the garments as evidence, there were no panties, no pants, no skirts, no bottom clothing anywhere in that room for whatever reason. Clearly, she must have come in. I mean, she only had blouses and like the dress she was wearing, I guess. It's a little weird, right? No underwear. Super weird. Do you hear that? That's my coffee machine. My at seven oh my God. seven I thought p.m. That was my smoke alarm. No, <gasps> that's my coffee machine. I thought that was my smoke alarm. I was like, oh God. Um, Case is really heating up, baby. I mean, <laughs> I mean it's making me wonder ugh, two things. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I initially went back to like a, a potential like sex worker thing. Like mm-hmm. maybe that's why you don't have like you know underwear on you or whatever. But then I also thought to myself, and sorry if this is a little bit like uh, too much, but like, I don't know, additional DNA samples. Like from, from someone else? Yeah. Mm-hmm. From like totally. underwear or I, I don't know. Any yeah, of the bottoms. Like that. I, th- I figured it could have been, yeah. it totally could have been that. It would make sense. I mean, we don't know for sure, like how many pairs of pants or skirts um, she had, but I think it's, we can assume that she had underwear maybe because she did have bras. That were found. Um, it could have been also that the labels on those had not been removed. So maybe that was a big piece of why they had to be taken. Although I don't really know 
the, the fixation on the labels is really interesting as to why they think that would have been so valuable to like track who she was yeah. or figure out where they came from. But it's just strange to me that they were all label-less, like intentionally, like unmarked garments. Bizarre. I think the only thing that's not strange about it to me is that if they're really high-end pieces, mm-hmm. if you could trace it back to like a like a high-end boutique. Do you hear dogs? Was that? You hear dogs? <laughs> I thought it was the ice cream truck. I was like, wait, oh my God, that that's a new, I was like, that's a new key. Normally he doesn't play in that key. No, 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 no. It sounded way higher. It's somebody's um, walking by the dogs outside. Oh, got, got it. Well, I was thinking that if you shop at like a very high-end boutique store. Mm-hmm. That there wouldn't that be labels. You could trace, well, know that like they would want to take off the labels because you could be easily traced to Oh, that oh, store. I see what you're saying. Gotcha. gotcha. you like, they could go like back to like, like, if there's only like a few of those locations, they can go back and like yeah. interview. Totally. That makes sense. You really are a sleuth. Damn. <laughs> I did. I wasn't even thinking that. I'm trying, baby. And Nancy Stew. So... I have some additional details here that come from the two like hotel or I guess there's technically three hotel witnesses who like were inside the room prior to the death because there are some items that are verified to have been missing. This is really interesting. So we're first going to trace back and talk about some of the theories and what ran in tandem with the room service employee who came to drop off the play on Friday night. He claimed that he saw some kind of like a trolley cart or a suitcase, like something that would have been consistent with what like a flight attendant would have. He said he saw that in the room. By the time the body is discovered, it is somehow missing and there is no additional luggage that is found in Jennifer's room. Housekeeping also made mention of something that they believed was missing once they got word of what was found in there. They remembered when they were cleaning, there was a pair of very high-end white high heels very, very nice shoes. They said that were in the closet. They saw them. They took note of them. By the time the body is found, there are no other shoes found in that room outside of the shoes on her feet. Regardless of all of these bizarre inconsistencies and items that appear to be missing, there is no further evidence. And an investigation of what looked like possibly a suicide is ultimately ruled as such. This woman took her own life. Following the closure of the investigation, the hotel discarded everything that was left inside the room and completely gutted it and remodeled it, considering the circumstances of what happened in there. I don't know if that's nefarious, if they were like, clear all evidence, or if they were just like, Mm -hmm. we have to start fresh, like someone was killed in here. There is no further evidence that ever came to light as to who Jennifer Fairgate might have been, and so she was placed in an unmarked grave and would later be exhumed in 2016 so they could do a full DNA profile, which turned up some interesting results. For one, they believe, of course, she was of European, most likely German descent, but they also realized that the initial age they had pegged her for, 30 to 35, was wrong. The DNA profile suggests at the time she died, she was probably between 23 to 25. Very young. Wow. That changes a lot. It does. But outside of these findings, there's really no additional evidence that could be linked back to the mystery woman known as Jennifer Fairgate and what happened to her in 2805. So before we jump into any theories, how does all of that, that has got to be, that is a juicy one. Good case. This is really, this is really juicy and just like unlike anything else we've ever talked about. Oh, good. (laughs) I really feel like she is 
using this hotel as like a landing spot. Like totally. she's, in my in my mind, I feel like she's been going back and forth. Like she ha- has been landing there and then will go out during the day to go take care of some sort of business and only come back to that hotel to as like a crash pad. Kinda. As a crash pad. She didn't and even like, stay there one night. There why... was one night she was gone all night. Yeah. She came back the next morning. So clearly I'm she's staying someplace wondering... else. Right. She's definitely staying somewhere else. And the no toiletries. Like she's definitely getting, she's shedding, uh, you know, anything that can be attached to her. Like the typical things that you would see for somebody that's like living comfortably. Oh, that's interesting. But so you think that that might have been intentional that she had like nothing on her? Yeah. Because a lot of people yes. have suggested that all of those things she did have because it it felt like you know why wouldn't she? You know she arrived with luggage and like people said they saw luggage and stuff in the room. Like stuff was definitely removed from the room, and it was either her doing like she was shedding beforehand and did take mm-hmm. her own life, or somebody was in there killed her. And very quickly and discreetly confiscated everything they could and wiped the gun clean. Yeah, the gun, the gun being clean is still the thing that's really freaking me out. But Mm -hmm. I was thinking that she was shedding and then maybe the idea was that whatever this mission was, she had to take her own life at the end. Really? Interesting. I I think I saw something on Reddit and I wasn't going to bring this up because it's not like a foolproof theory and... I don't know very much about it, so I can't corroborate a ton of it. So I don't know if it's fully true. But somebody was saying there was something that happened um, in Europe where, like, there was a breach in an intelligence agency in 1994, which carried on through June of 1995, which is the exact timing of when she died, where there were – there was a whole host of, like, people who were working for this intelligence agency who were publicly uncovered – with it, like for other agencies, so they became targets. That made a lot of sense to me as to why she may have been. It could have been like that she was hiding out, why she had all this ammunition. Maybe yeah. she was protecting herself, kind of like trying to figure out, like I'm going to get my affairs <sighs> oh, in order so I can flee the country. And right. in the midst of like planning that over the next three days and hiding out in this hotel room, she's taken out. Hmm. That 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 tracks for me. It's just so interesting to think about like, okay, well, if we're saying that this was like an assassination of this woman, this this spy, 23 to 25, female spy. So interesting. Yeah. What, what the story is pr- there. Pretty brilliant to, and to be that young and take on something that sounds super involved. And she was fluent in multiple languages. Clearly she was uh-huh. very persuasive with the hotel staff and able to get what she wanted or she had connections. She seemed to have a lot of money if she paid in cash up front and she had all these designer clothes. Like she certainly, she's certainly somebody. Are you looking at pictures? I could could see you. I'm just looking, I'm looking (laughs) at her face again in the sketch. I mean, I do have trying to imagine her years later. There is a picture. I have a picture of her that came out. Oh my God. It's who they, so (gasps) it's the picture is not connected back. Like they can't trace like where it came from. And they're not 100% certain, but they're more than certain that this is probably a picture of the correct woman based on like the postmortem oh photographies. Let me find it. Jennifer Fairgate. <laughs> Are you waiting on bated breath? 
I am. This is so interesting. We've never oh, really. Oh, good. I'm happy. I'm really happy that yeah. I gave you like a a juicy like espionage case. Yes. Oh, I love it. Ooh, let me not save it down to my computer. Let me just copy. It's also reminding me of like girl with a dragon tattoo for totally, some reason. Totally. Very. Very. Oh my god. It, I mean, the look of her is kind of similar. The whole vibe of that. Yeah, it is. So this is the picture of who they think she most oh, likely was. Wow. She does look a lot like the sketch. Totally. Totally. I mean, I think that it's, they do have post-mortem photographs and I've seen them like of the body that they took for the autopsy and it it looks identical. Like it most definitely is her. Wow. It's just a question of like, no one's ever claimed her. So clearly if she was a spy or she was recruited into like an intelligence agency, she really had no former life or like no connection to her family. Because nobody came looking for her. Unless she had like severely altered her appearance or something after running away or something like that. But she looks very normal, at least in this photograph. Something in the eyes. I don't trust her. Yeah. Can't trust her. But I do have a couple of theories here. I guess there's only really two scenarios of how this happened. Some people think it could be Occam's razor that, you know, maybe she was just a, a woman who wanted to isolate herself before she took her life. So it's like what you were saying. She was shedding all of her belongings. She was intentionally trying to set the circumstances so that it was untraceable to find out who she was. Although that's not usually consistent with someone who would have a self-inflicted injury like this. They're usually leaving something behind to be found. They're trying to be found. She was doing almost anything possible to do the opposite of that and make it like beyond the pale to figure out who she was, where she came from, why she did what she did, and why she did it here in the Oslo Plaza. Does that sit at all with you, or do you feel like it's just too far away from all of the inconsistencies? Uh, here's where I'm I'm struggling is why mm-hmm. go to the trouble to like you know, sign with a with two different names on the like if you're just going there to take your own life, do you really need to put two names on the check-in list? Like well, more importantly, furthermore, who do was you the, really who need was the man? Alias? Who was the guy that came with her? Yeah. Yeah. It's like unless that's all part of the act, like to stage that you're there with your boyfriend or husband so you know people think that you're less likely to be doing something odd that's a pretty elaborate Um, plan if you're planning to like ultimately take your life and also the bizarre i don't know the the circumstances of all of it are just so strange but it still doesn't really account for all of those missing items unless that was what she was doing for like all those times she went in and out of the room she's just getting rid of her stuff but it's never found it just doesn't seem like she hadn't done this before if that makes sense like i think to Mm -hmm. check in with to be able to check in without id pay in cash kind of get around all these parameters that should really be like somebody should have said like what the hell's going on here after like day one Mm -hmm. she definitely has experience it feels like in like getting around these blockers um which to me indicates something else other than taking her own life So if that's the case, and we're going to take all of the evidence into account, and we're going to think that she was most likely killed, assassinated, let's say, do we think that 
she showed up there as like a hideout because she was being targeted? Or do we think that this was an operation where there was someone on the inside who turned on her, the man? I don't know. After you brought up that she was hiding out, that felt really that that, because I initially suggested maybe she was there doing an operation, Mm -hmm. but like she was going to take somebody out. Yes. Yours sounds much more likely to me. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, because I was thinking that it would make sense as to why she left the room at those times and came back at those times. Like Mm -hmm. maybe she needed a landing a crash pad but she also needed to get out of that room pretty much the whole day in order to ensure that nobody was finding out where she was uh because if they did find out she'd be stuck in her room she'd be probably be killed mm-hmm. um it's, it kind of feels like a game of like cat and mouse i would agree and it would also make sense with how suspicious she might have been of the food that was delivered to her that also tracks for me that like somebody's after her and like trying to take her out yeah and i swear to god the ketchup there's so much ketchup on that plate it's like look at it again let me pull up that picture it's like she was only eating something that she knew wasn't gonna be messed with what do we make of the the men's cologne bottle which only had her fingerprints on it very weird i mean maybe she liked to wear men's cologne um you know what's interesting that's also um i wonder if killing eve took inspiration from a part of the story when they were looking at like female yeah. assassins and female spies because i think that's a that's a trope in one of the the later seasons like the third or the fourth that um villanelle goes to like a high-end perfumery and he's like trying to sell her he's like we have some lovely like florals and botanicals and she goes i want to smell like power <laughs> like she's like i want yeah. to smell like a man yeah, it was, it was so or, interesting the way they wrote that. I love her character. I, I love that show. Um, or was she like? I feel like the cologne was like a a tool in her toolbox. Like, was it something that she could use potentially to like f- quite literally throw the scent off? Like, mm-hmm. could she have been spraying the room so that if somebody were to come in and she wasn't there, they thought a man was in there? So interesting. With her. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I mean, I guess it would have been a dead giveaway if like you looked through some of the clothes, but I'm, I'm sure like they could rationalize that in a different way too, because she did have bras that were laying out. There were blouses in the closet as were those white high heels that somehow disappeared. But that's a really, really interesting take that she's spraying men's cologne so that someone enters the room and they immediately smell a man and they think no she's not hiding out in here so yeah. interesting or she, maybe she's there with a you know maybe she is a sex worker she's there with a man that yeah or she, like i a, mean like a yeah yeah that that could totally Go make ahead. sense i was gonna say i was like um it could also throw off the scent in a way that like maybe if they already know she's staying in that room because they have ways to you know figure that out there's clearly a record that she signed of like which room she's in Maybe they would think that, like, whoever's there is her protection because she did arrive with a man. So maybe he is like a colleague or like an escort, like it for protective services. Mm-hmm. Maybe they would think that he's staying in there with her so they can't come back because he's armed and he's ready to attack, too. It's just yeah. all the ammunition she had in that that bag. She was definitely like she was going to keep herself safe, it seemed like. Yes, yes. So, so interesting. I'm, I am fascinated by this story. And I'm more fascinated just by how, if she did get taken out, who exactly did it? 
how they got away with it so quick and patched everything up so fast. And also, I still think there's something to be said about the newspaper. 2106 that was in her room. Mm-hmm. But they never looked at, like, who was staying in that room as if it was, like, suspicious. They just assumed it was, like, a newspaper that she, like, took from outside of one of the other rooms or it was delivered to the wrong room. You're going to think I'm nuts. Uh, I'm here for it. My, <laughs> Let my me get out of it. My theory about, like, scaling the building or mm-hmm. getting into another room, that would have been just a couple floors down and to the left a little bit. Would it be? Wait, what was her room again? 2805 Was it twenty eight oh five or twenty five oh eight? I think it was twenty eight oh five. Yeah, twenty eight oh five. And this is twenty one oh six. Just a quick little <laughs> just, seven floors. <laughs> so wait, what? What are you suggesting that she like scaled down and like took the? <laughs> no, whoever whoever the hit person was potentially like could they have been staying in that room? Oh, okay. Came up to to get her basically and. I don't know. Brought the newspaper with them? <laughs> or or were they like her? I don't know. Maybe that could was the man. There? Yeah. Like, could yeah. she have been with an accomplice and like he was in there? Totally. And they were supposedly like on this mission together. And then all of a sudden, like it went haywire. I don't know. That, no, that's 100% the, the, the newspaper what I think. is. To actually toss that out like the newspaper <laughs> toss out that theory wait but i kind of i do like that though i think like i was saying i think there's relevance to 2106 that clearly there was somebody in there maybe who had relevance to her and he was in the room i also like the idea that like he was with her in the room and like he may have stayed over with her in the room for a night and maybe that's why the mm-hmm. men's cologne bottle was there but it also doesn't make sense yeah. that the only fingerprints found on it are hers so it seems like it was her cologne bottle, but it's the only toiletry anyone finds. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I missed at that. Let's see. Apparently, there are some top pathologists in Germany who have looked at the case, and they believe they have proven that it was impossible that she killed herself, given all of the strange evidence. There is irrefutable evidence that whatever happened to Jennifer Fairgate, her death was absolutely a homicide. So I do have a little like recap here, just to... like follow up on all of the striking evidence that's accumulated. Um, Just for anyone who forgot, we have this weapon, which, by the way, had a serial number that could not not be traced. (laughs) They could not figure out where the gun came from. They knew when it was manufactured, Mm. like early 90s, but the gun had a wiped serial number. It's found upside down in her hand. There's blood all over the gun. Actually, should I send you a picture of that? You'll you'll only see the gun, yeah. but like, do you want to see how it was held in her hand? Yeah, because I have a visual of it in my head, and okay, I feel compelled to show you all of the evidence. I can. Yeah, <laughs> you're like absolutely. Show me the evidence. Let me see. <clears throat> I guess this is as good a picture as any. Yeah. Okay. Let me copy this. I feel bad this is not like a visual podcast for the creepers because I'm like teasing so many visuals. <laughs> but I, I feel like it's really helpful, at least for you to see all of it. Okay. I've got this. I'm going to send it to you now. Okay. So this is the way the gun was found resting on her chest. You can see it's kind of an unnatural position for how somebody would use it if they were going to fire a bullet into their head. And there is clearly... Yeah blood that splattered back on the gun although there is no blood at all 
on her hands. Also, it just seems really hard to just position it to your head that way. It also most likely would not have stayed in her hand. A lot of um, investigators have said because this particular pistol has a very, very harsh recoil. So it's more than likely that if she was gripping it like this, it would have flown right out of her hand after the bullet fired. Yeah, because like if I'm if you're looking at me right now, wouldn't she have had to been like this? Wait, let me see. I like, yeah, I think. Hold up, let me look at the picture again. Like if this is the trigger right here, and I'm holding it like this, I'm like doing it backwards, basically on it, my own head. And it like, doesn't make sense. Yeah, because then, like you're saying, if I pulled it like this, the gun is going to go out of my. If I'm doing it backwards, yeah, it's not going to loosely like fall like onto this. your chest. <laughs> yeah, didn't make sense. No. So my biggest question to you then, if we can come to the consensus that we believe she was involved in something, albeit could be cartel, could be espionage, something of the sort, assassin, she's taken out. How was it covered up so quickly in that room? Where did the person go? Because there's no one who's ever seen, like, there's no witnesses who, who found somebody who was, like, leaving the hotel because obviously there was like a heightened awareness of security and police. So people were on the lookout to see if anyone's suspicious, maybe someone who might've even had blood on him or her was leaving the hotel with all of those garments and that luggage and all that extra stuff. Because I think it was probably premeditated. And I think it was somebody that worked in the same field that she worked in. Somebody that was trained to know how to cover things up and like, like the, the um, idea of a hitman really mm-hmm. is just to do the job and already know exactly how you're going to get out of there, how you're going to disguise yourself. And so insane to think about. Yeah. But I'm sh- uh, because. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that it was a premeditated thing and it just happened like yeah. that. I wonder if things like this could still happen in this day and age where there's such a, I mean, outside of security cameras and like CCTV, like everybody has a camera on their phone. So I guess operations like this, like hits and assassins, I'm sure they still happen, but there's such a, a higher likelihood of things being filmed or like caught on camera that right. uh, just, I'm <laughs> me, I'm like, oh, that must complicate so much. <laughs> Do you know what I'm still hung up on? What? Is the second bullet in the pillowcase. Yeah. What is that about? And how did nobody hear that? That is weird. Because I'm almost wondering if it was like this person killed her and then was like, okay, to make it look like she was maybe practicing on the pillow or something, I'm going to mm-hmm. shoot into the pillow. That's exactly what they took it as in the evidence when the, when they eventually closed it and they were like, I mean, there's nothing else we could. It's really hard for us to prove that like a spy did this. You know what I mean? So they were just like, she took her own life and the, the second bullet into the pillow, or I guess the first bullet into the pillow was her practice round, like you said. Yeah. Yeah tricky 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 also what are the chances of that first shot going off like that bullet going off right when the security guard came up to knock on the door oh my god the timing is is wild timing is wild there how scary that must have been it was he, he the security guard 
how much time elapsed before the police got there? 30 minutes? 30 minutes from the time of the firing of the gun, which was 7.50. But before that, they were back up at that room because they actually went into the room before the police came there. So it was like gun fires at 7.50. He panics, runs down the hall, radios in to get back up and then goes down to the front desk to explain to like management and everything like there's an emergency going on. I've called the police and then head security at him go straight back upstairs. So like not a lot of time has elapsed. We're talking like gun is fired at maybe like 10, 15 minutes max before they are back up there and the door is locked from the inside. That is some stealth work. That is crazy. I also still just think the window being open is really weird. I I can't get past that either. I was like, the window being open is very, the only scenario, I mean, scaling down a window is not off the table, although it's very scary for me to imagine because I have the fear of heights. Yeah. I'm like the 28th floor. Can I send you a picture of the building? (laughs) Hold on. Yes. Okay, okay. (laughs) You're like, baby, I'm eating every second of it up. I'm like, send me everything. (laughs) Oslo Plaza, Jennifer Fairgate. It'll it'll give you a better visual of like what kind of like the height of the building that you're dealing with. Oh my god, wait, I just Googled it. Oh, did you? Okay. Norway's second tallest building. It's huge. It's so scary. Oh my god. But you see what I'm saying? Like the sides, like it looks difficult to scale that. Not impossible, but if we like, ever go to Norway, I don't know what would bring you. us to Norway, but we would absolutely oh God, have to, to go Norway. to this hotel. Yes. Oh, my God. I'm reading an article right now that says this was a huge inspiration for thinking about um, Villanelle. Fascinating. Really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, that makes that makes a ton of sense. Wow. Oh, I have an extra picture here. Um, I have a couple of extra pictures of the room. Do you want me to send you some? Of course. Okay. This is another one. Oh, this is a weird shot. Hold on. I have to go to the actual like page and then open it. It's a whole thing. But how are you feeling overall? Does this does this case like give you the, the creeps the way it, it messed me up? It gives me the creeps, but it makes me want to watch like a movie about it. I'm like shocked a there isn't a movie. I like I know it's cr- like what a freaky story. Hold on. Let's it gives me the creeps, but I don't feel as unsettled as I normally do because even though she is absolutely a victim of some sort in this way, mm-hmm. I still just can't shake the feeling that she somehow like was involved in how all this went down. Like maybe she was the bad guy that was getting taken out. It's very we don't know yeah, anything about or, her stories. Also, what I just sent you is what she was wearing. Weird. Oh, wow. This is so, like, spy movie. Very, very much spy movie. Um, Hold on. I'm looking for this one specific picture. I have a picture of the shoes. Um, She also had a – there was something about her watch that was really specific. She had a very nice watch on, which I think was – they were trying to use that to, like, trace back to, like, where she got it. But, again, like, it was, like, untraceable. And I think it was purchased in Japan or something. Something was very strange about the watch. Let's see what else is in here. Okay, I have the serial number. God, there's so many pictures in here. I'm just trying to get this one shot. That was her. It's like another angle from inside the room where you can see her her legs dangling off from the bed. It just gives you like a wider angle of the inside of the room, but from like the POV if you're standing at the window. Yeah. 
this has got to be the most comprehensive article <laughs> that has ever been written. This is on VG. <laughs> VG.no, which is, I guess, a Norway website, um, Norwegian website. But God, I've never scrolled so far down an article in my life. Oh, okay. Here I have this. This will be interesting for you. This is the outside of the door as they found it when they arrived at the room. Police, that is. I'm going to send this to you. You can see the do not okay. disturb sign that is on the door handle. What else do we have? <gasps> Scary. Yeah. Freaky. So freaky. Um, Let's see. Blood on the floor. That's the gun. I just want this one picture. Where is it? Oh, I have this. I mean, this is what these are the the chips and the um the empty Coke bottles. All of which, again, I would say were found with her fingerprints, no one else's. That is the strangest part about it, is that like the lack of fingerprints to me indicates that she was hiding out in that room alone. So I would say the men's cologne bottle is more than likely either her tactic, her diversion or something. Yeah. Or it, it was just like a trope of hers, like she wears men's cologne. This looks like our counter in Vegas, our hotel room in Vegas. It certainly does, ma'am. It certainly <laughs> does. Oh, the bathroom. I've never seen a picture of the bathroom. This is interesting. Hold on. I swear to God, the creepers are going to be like the FOMO of not like, getting to see these damn pictures. I'll try to link this um this full article in the episode, but... It just, it's, I can't tell you, like, it really colors the story so much more for me to actually see it does. photos of the scene that were taken in real time, like actual police work that was done that was helpful. Also, you're going to think I'm nuts, but the Coke and the Diet Coke, that's weird to me. Okay. I Who had that in my, both? I had that in my notes and I was like, oh, should I bring this up? I'm like, no, you're being silly. I'm so happy you said something. No, you absolutely should. I also you think either that's drink weird. You drink Diet Coke or you drink Coke. I agree. I think that's weird. That's two people were in that room. That's what I said. I'm like, mm-mm, mm-mm. But the thing is, I I feel like she had a, an agent, like an accomplice and they like turned on her. I really feel that. I do too. I think she was there with this other agent and I think it was an operation to like, hide her out you know while she they were arranging for her i don't know to get out of the country or do something like i said before and then in the midst of that either he was killed and then they got to her or he turned and it was Mm -hmm. she knew she was a target because of this huge breach um from the intelligence agency and we sadly we just don't know very much else about her story like what she was actually working for like what her role was was she an assassin clearly she was trained with a gun very very strange but Stu, that is, I've given you everything that I know about the Jennifer Fairgate that case. That was so good. I love that. That is making me want to watch Killing Eve, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Certainly Killing Eve. Like, Killing Eve is, like, like tit for tat for this. Like, this is really, it's that. Yeah. Tit for tat is not the right phrase, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, on par, on same thing. It is. Running in tandem. Yeah. But with that... Running in tandem. Stu, I will wrap us up because you had given me more than enough of your time. And Creepers, thank you so much for going down this wild rabbit hole of the mystery of what went down in 2805 with Jennifer Fairgate. 
That was so fantastic. I'm going to be thinking about this one for a while. Good. I'm happy. I, I will say. You know I'm a sucker for designer. I know. I know. Anything, I was like, if anything's going to get her, fashion, it's, it's going like, to be like the, the high-end German luxury <laughs> boutique garments. Yeah. I'm like, you know that they have logs of the clientele at those high-end boutiques. You were like, Ex- what? <laughs> <laughs> they definitely do. No, it's true. They do. I wasn't even thinking about that for some reason, but I, I was just being very simple about it. I'm like... Why would they need to know where she got her blouse? <laughs> it's so like, baby, you gotta know if that's if that's Prada or Prada. You did okay? Prada. That's or Italian. Prada. But... Oh my lord! Well, the shoes were Italian. Don't forget that. Oh, that's right. That's right. She's a she's a traveled woman. International. I was gonna say we have a we have a fashion girly. Yeah, twenty three to twenty five. Speaks multiple languages. Dressed head to toe in so... designer interesting what an interesting like profile that's person. villanelle like, that's literally villanelle yeah because that i i wonder how much of villanelle actually was directly modeled off of this because there must be other famous like female spies but that is a trope of villanelle's is that she wears like very beautiful clothing like she loves yes designer huh. let's do that's all I got. One more thing. Did you see that there, yeah. there was an additional article that came out about the John Benet Ramsey case that they're looking at new suspects yes. after our episode? Yes. Not saying we Creepers. did anything, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying keep the energy up. Keep that energy up. It's that good, Gigi. If that case ever got a f***ing solve, can you imagine the world would be <sighs> the reverb from that? Oh, my Lord. Somebody was saying something on Reddit when we, I like, we were, um, after we'd posted like all the Reddit questions, uh, there was one about John Bonet, and I was looking through some of the feedback. Somebody said there's a longstanding theory that the parents did know, but it was Burke's fault, and that Burke was downstairs, snuck downstairs with her, um, and he was eating the pineapple. It was his pineapple, and she took from yeah. it and ate it. And that was the inciting incident where he hit her. And I also did not yep. know this, but. Apparently, the housekeeper at on multiple occasions said they would fight, and he once saw him try to hit her in the head with a golf club. Golf club, so yeah. So he certainly had a a violent tendency towards his sister. Definitely, that would be Mm-mm-mm. if we saw a John Bonet Ramsey solve in the year twenty twenty four. I would absolutely lose my mind. That would be madness. That was, I mean, that would be madness. We've seen some crazy ass solves in this podcast, like when the boy in the box had its big break and like Lady of the Dunes is effectively closed now, which is crazy. Yeah. I just never thought I would see the day where those were going to be put to rest. And I'm, it made me feel like anything is possible in the true crime world. Like anything can be solved with enough time, absolutely, enough pressure, enough dedication from people like prying into the case. You can always find another angle. Totally. That is a that's a good note to end on. Wow. I feel I feel good that we like came to that little conclusive moment. That's cute. Me too. I feel like that just gave me like energy. I'm like Same. I'm ready to like solve a case again. I'm gonna have another cup of coffee. It's like 8 p.m. Gonna make some pasta. Oh my god. <laughs> You're gonna make pasta. I'm gonna make my bed. And I know you need to rest. Put myself in. You got to rest, baby girl. <laughs> and with that, creepers, thank you no, but so this much. Was great. Yay! Thank you. I'm so so happy. This was a good one. We'll be back next Friday. We're gonna cover another. I'll say it. Insidious case. So until insidious then, sinister. insidious sinister case. We're gonna say goodbye. We will see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, creepers. <laughs>